It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. And yeah, you don't have to blink twice. That is my irregular, usual backup uh, sidebar co-pilot, Bill Bender from the Sporting News, sitting in that seat. Bill Bender, once again, welcome back to the Tim May Show, the highest flying show in college football. What do you think? Is that is that a good moniker for this show? The highest flying show in the country. I uh, I like it. It's almost like the greatest show on turf. Or and I'm drinking out of a Bengals cup tonight, even though I'm a Packers fan. The uh, Bengals got a huge win, you know, over the, over the weekend. Yeah. So that was a good win for them over the weekend. And uh, but I'm not here to talk NFL as a depressed Packers fan. We do have to talk, I believe, college football playoff rankings. There's something going on on Halloween, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, truth in advertising, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're, we're recording this well before the college football playoff rankings come out. If by some stroke of luck we're exactly correct on what we think the top four should be, then bully for us, right? How about a little, you know, a little bit of a little rise in altitude? You know, this is comparable. This plane is comparable to an SR-71 Blackbird, the greatest airplane ever built, but I digress. But bottom line, let's just get right into it, Bill. Uh, you watch probably as much football as any man on earth, college football, <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit more than I do. Cause I, I, you know, I, I spend all week just watching stuff all around the country, replays of games. I go to all the Ohio state games live and in person, but uh, you're a man of great renown nationally. Uh, what is your, what is your top four for the first week of the college football playoff rankings? If you were a committee member, what would your top four be? I think four is the easiest call. Florida State will be four. Um, you know, they have the victory against LSU. They have the easiest path remaining. Their re remaining opponents have a 17 and 18 record. The, the dual side of that is if they lose, we can frown on the ACC a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then one through three is interchangeable. I heard Paul Feinbaum talking about that over the weekend after Saturday's action. And um, he said – it could be Georgia, who is the two-time defending national champ, and they started to behave like them over the weekend when they played Florida. 43-20, to 20, Carson Beck looked good, complete team. I think they will be ranked number one. I don't think people will like it, hmm. uh, you know, but just the way that they – it's kind of like that – we talked about this last time, the boxing analogies of they'll be ranked number one. Ohio State will be ranked number three or number two. I could see them being as high as number two – because of the two top 10 victories, because yeah. of the way that they, you know, they have the best resume. So Georgia national championship belt, Ohio state best resume. And, but they're doing it in a little bit. Everybody in Columbus knows this. I feel like you guys have all had to write the same thing each week. Defense dominant defense, national championship caliber offense coming along has the best playmaker in the country but there are hiccups like there were against Wisconsin, you know, the turnovers getting away. And then Michigan will probably be ranked number two. And some of that, depending on how they view what's going on at Michigan, I know we're going to get into that at least a little bit. Yeah. 
But in terms of margin of victory, dominating opponents, looking like a complete team, I could see them being number two. But one, two, three, you never know. The committee's always good for one a surprise or two. I think Florida State's a lock to be number four. And then your first two out will be the other unbeaten Washington and probably Oregon, who was the most impressive over the weekend yes. by going into Utah and just pounding the Utes 35 to six. Yeah. And I think the committee will know that Utah and Washington, that conundrum will settle itself at the end of the year, probably. If things go according to Hoyle in the Pac-12, they're going to play again. You know, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, you know, maybe they'll play again, right? I mean, with what Oklahoma's done the last two weeks, including getting upset by at Kansas by Kansas uh, as opposed to up at Kansas by Iowa. Tim, at, Tim, do you think Ohio State will be number one? Here's my, here's my thoughts. Uh, I think, you know, the, the committee justifies its rankings uh, any way they want to do it, right? Uh, right? Who's got the two most impressive wins in the country this year? The two most impressive wins, one on the road, one at home, is Ohio State. There is, in my opinion, no doubt about it. Although, I think Florida State beating LSU the way it did, that was quite impressive. The other kind of impressive wins by Florida State don't, you know, my mind don't look as impressive. Uh, but they have a, I think, I think Florida State top to bottom maybe has the best res resume to date. Uh, and then uh, Michigan, you know, they will get into all the skullduggery, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is that they have beaten teams the way they're supposed to beat teams, even though they haven't played anybody of repute yet. That's coming. That will settle itself. Uh, and in Georgia, see, I could I could see your justification for Georgia being number one because Georgia still hasn't played any great team yet, beaten any great team yet. But, dude, I thought Kentucky was going to give them a game, if not upset them, and they hammered Kentucky. Right. I thought – Florida was going to give them a game, and a lot of people did. I didn't think Florida was going to upset them, but they hammered Florida. Florida took the lead, and then that was right. that, right? And uh, But this weekend, them hosting Missouri, Missouri is a the first team last year that could have and maybe should have beaten them and uh, gave that game away in the fourth quarter, just like Ohio State did in the, in the playoff, the first game of the playoff. I think Missouri is underrated. Uh, we'll see, of course, right? But well, the, thing it, is, the thing's coming along real quick for Georgia. Carson Beck yeah. is stepping up. I mean, everybody wants to think they're going to fall off the the, uh, the wagon with Brock Bowers being out. And Carson Beck is a talented quarterback who Saturday, in my opinion, controlled the show against Florida. And I, I think, you know, first-year starting quarterback replacing Stetson Bennett, I think he has really come along. Go ahead. Well, yes. And, and you just said something that it's quick to point out. The committee will justify their rankings using a it might be game control this year. Yeah, what, whatever just, whatever they have to do to right. justify their rankings, they will and do it. Go they ahead. They will come yeah. up with a, a buzz phrase, a catchphrase. If it's yeah. resume, it will be Ohio State. If it's game control, it will be Michigan. If it's you know ranked opponents slash competition, because we do know committee behavior, and there is plenty of precedent for the fact that they they overvalue SEC teams. They'll, they'll have Missouri high. They'll have Alabama high. They'll they'll maybe sneak Kentucky. Well, maybe not Kentucky. Tennessee, but will they? Will they? Hey, let me interrupt you. But will they? Because, you know, everybody, any expert will tell you, this appears to be a down year. And everybody kind of has the same attitude about the SEC that it is a down year in the SEC. I really do think Alabama 
you know, this week's game is huge, Alabama and LSU. And we can get into that in a little while. But, uh, uh, but uh, you know, most experts are just saying this is a down year. And shouldn't the committee, you think, maybe reflect that? Well, we'll see. Um, I, I think Tennessee winning and they, and Georgia does have a lot on the bone left in terms of that. Yes. Their remaining opponents are 24 and eight combined yeah. record. Yes. In the zoo. They got to play Tennessee and Knoxville. They got to play Old Miss. Who's probably the sleepiest seven and one team in the country and uh, had one bad half in Alabama when we were in South Bend waiting for Notre Dame and Ohio state to get going. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, and it's the, and you said you've talked to urban Meyer about this. It's that, they're the king till somebody knocks them off the pedestal. Right. Or, or I understand that thinking. And, and they have played decent teams. So I can see the case for Georgia. I can see the case for Ohio State based on those two things, uh, the, the two big wins. And I can see the case for Michigan based on their their game log looks like something out of the 80s where they're beating teams 45 nothing and 49-7. And now what they do with the last two weeks of the sign-stealing things i've been quick to tell people this committee's not made of tim mays and bill benders i i didn't use myself in third person that was totally accidental but you get what i'm saying did, guys like, it's not like guys like us okay so i yeah. correct myself real quick on that it's made up of athletic directors and coaches and people that have been around the game that may have different views varying views on what sign stealing is what it constitutes and uh these are some of the most utmost integrity people that you can have Jim Grobe's on that committee. Jim Grobe yeah. was the Ohio coach. He was on the AFCA. Uh, I was down at OU when he was down there. He, if there's a model of well-behaved, do it the right way coach, it's Jim Grobe. And there's yeah. guys like that on the committee. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. I, I agree with you. You know, let's, we'll, we'll touch that with a, everybody says, with well, I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Heck I'll touch it with this little, little uh, mechanical pencil. <laughs> uh, we'll touch that subject in a minute. Uh, but uh, I did want to ask you this before uh, before moving on. By the way, uh, I don't know if I said this earlier, but I got Josh Perry coming on from the NBC, uh, who's, you know, former Buckeye, you know, cut his teeth in the Big Ten Network, et cetera. He's coming on and he's going to have his on, own opinions. You know, he was at the game uh, Saturday night, uh, this past Saturday night at Wisconsin, when Ohio State, you know, kind of like, Wisconsin came up, tied the game, and then Ohio State wins 24 to 10. Um, you know, I, I thought what stood out in that game was Ohio State's defense looks like it is definitely for real. How good is Wisconsin? I don't know, but you've you've been there before, playing up there at night, late in October. Uh, it's never an easy task, no matter how good or bad Wisconsin is. In Ohio State, you know, uh, Kyle McCord did not have a great full night. He had great spurts in that night. Ohio State's quarterback, but you mentioned a while ago, Ohio State has maybe the best playmaker in college football. I think they've got two of the better playmakers in college football with Travion Henderson back because, man, does he add <laughs> zip to that offense. And finally, they kept banging at the door with the running game until he cracked open and he he blasted through it. So that's good news for Ohio State headed into this stretch run that's, that starts uh, – on Saturday at Rutgers, another team that's only got two losses and people poo-poo Rutgers, but Greg Schiano is in the process of doing what he did in his first tenure there of making it a credible contending program. I, I think you might agree with me on that to a certain extent, don't you? 
Yeah, that's that's not going to be any. That's not a walkover game. No. Normally, when you you take that trip out of Piscataway, it's a uh, fifty-six to ten and four. I mean, we can look at the game logs; they're ugly. Um, yeah. But that's a physical, different Rutgers team. He's starting to build them the right way, and uh, you know, bull eligible, uh, probably going to finish fourth in the uh, Big Ten East, and may give Penn State a good swing. Who knows? Yeah. And, but, you know, my observations from Saturday night weren't all that different than yours. I thought Ohio State got in their own way a little bit with the turnovers, particularly the red zone interception. The key to playing in Madison and why they were able to silence everything was this defense that we talk about every week. It, yeah. Wisconsin has a – they get a turnover. They immediately come up with a fumble. Wisconsin gets that punt return. It took me back to the last time they were at Wisconsin and. Gilreath ran the opening kickback. You, if you let that Wisconsin crowd get into the game, you can run into problems no matter who they have on the on the field. And uh, they didn't let them do that. Their defense at the end of the half, you don't give up a touchdown. That was huge. And I mean, Eichenberg, man, wow. Go ahead. They make yeah on the shovel pass. What a play on the tackle. They they make you work for everything. They yeah. don't give up the big plays. It's been huge. Uh, the one touchdown Wisconsin had, the um, Locke made a great throw in the corner of the end zone that happens. And so they do have a defense they can trust. They do have a team. We talked about this last time, Tim, and I can't get off of it is they have a very Jim Trestle 2002 formula at work right now, whether yeah. it's Kyle McCord being Craig Krenzel or Marvin Harrison kind of is the Clarette of the offense, the game. And then the games change where those are the game breakers now. And then the defense, I mean, I don't know who's AJ Hawk and, and, I think Tyleek Williams might be Will Smith. I mean, he yes. is, he's somebody we overlooked on our midseason All-American team. And I was talking to some people when I was at Ohio State, Penn State, and he's just been a difference maker for them on that defensive line. They've got talent everywhere on that defense, and they're playing really well together on that side of the ball. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, JT Tuimolau never quits. He got banged up there at the in that goal line stand, you know, and looked, for a minute there, it looked kind of serious. I don't know if it was a hip pointer or he pulled – pulled a muscle in his hip area, right? You know, basically collided with uh, Jack Sawyer on, a, on one of the stops and, uh, you know, basically got up and was determined to, to trot off the field, which he did. And then at halftime, he trotted off the field and came back and played the entire second half. So the, the, the cast of characters they've got on that defense, uh, in my opinion, they, you see a, a, a bunch of guys that played, most of them played together a year ago and it shows, right? And uh, right. the only scary thing really was Lathan Ransom late in that game limped off and it was taken to the, to the uh, locker room by cart. And uh, there was no, there was no update given on his condition. It was unspecified, but you know, I've gotten mixed signals on how serious a situation it could be a lower leg kind of thing. I think we'll learn more as this week goes on, uh, you know, but, uh, but that could be a blow because Lathan Ransom has been playing, a cut above in one of those safety spots. You agree, right? Number eight. Yes. He's making plays at the right time. And the key with Jim Knowles defense, eh, there's so many keys to defense, yeah. not just one, but you know, one of the things when he came over from Oklahoma state that was impressive about that unit, then was the safety play, the corner play and their secondary is playing really well right now. And uh, he was a big part of that. He's, he just seems to come up with the right tackle at the right time. Or, or the right pass breakup. I think Denzel Burke's playing at an extremely high level. He was on our – we didn't miss him. He got on our midseason All-American team. We certainly didn't miss Marvin Harrison. So, uh, yeah, some people <laughs> did, though, Bill. How the we hell did, does we that happen? We didn't do him. How does we, that happen? Con 
Well, huh? I, because I run our All-American team, it was a pretty short conversation on Martin. Yeah. I, I just said, we're putting him in. And it was some tough decisions with the other receivers. But, but let's me interject. He's got four straight games now of over 100 yards receiving. You know, he is on a run. It's basically never been seen before at Ohio State. Go ahead now. Yeah, he's the best receiver they've ever had. Yeah. And it's so wild to say that so quickly when you think of all the way back to Boston and Galloway and, you know, this run of first-rounders. He's the best receiver that I've ever seen. I couch it. I couch it this way. They are, everybody you can name on that list is different in the way they went about the game. Uh, he is on that list. You know, to say – you know, now if it was a draft, who would you take first? You know, it would be, I would still be hard pressed <clears throat> not to draft Chris Carter, who's in my right. opinion, the best receiver I've ever seen in terms of just purely catching the ball and the guile and everything that he played the game with as a receiver. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is right there with him, man. And, and forget about, you know, the catches, just the guile he shows, the body awareness, the, the another one of those toe taps, you know, the other night for his, uh, for his uh, second touchdown, well, you know, it was just an amazing catch and and body control. I mean, I've never seen a guy like this play at Ohio State, and uh, you know, everybody was different, right? You agree with that? Because you've been you've watched these guys. Well, I mean, for me, and I, I remember Chris Carter, the NFL player, and obviously awesome. I mean, David Boston was probably the first one where I was like, he's different than anything I've seen, yeah, because he was he looked Big. like the incredible Hulk and he yeah. was fast and could run. And then Joey Galloway and the career he had. And Terry Glenn was the one that you would, if you were out on the playground, you make some of those diving catches. He was that guy. And then this run of receivers they've had is pretty, because these guys are making plays on Sundays. Yeah. You know, uh, Garrett Wilson, Wilson is a difference maker now. And yeah. I, I think the craziest part about Marvin Harrison to me is, you know, they brought up his dad during the telecast and his dad saying, you know, he had notes and being his, critic and all these things and i'm like it's so wild to think i think he will be better than his dad in the nfl and his dad was amazing catching all those touchdowns from peyton manning and doing it in business because he's taller he's he's taller bigger and i think he's faster at least as fast i mean you got to credit his mom with some of this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That too. I mean, and, and he's humble too. I mean, oh I remember, yeah, yeah. He just seems like he's working hard and he's obsessed with the work part of it, and it shows. That second touchdown you mentioned, when the ball went up, like what he caught it, and then when they did the replay, how they showed how he controlled his body to get the foot in with that coverage, how he tracks the ball, it's all amazing. And I mean, that's. That's a difference maker. I mean, when we talk about best player in the country, there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there. Uh, Michigan's got a good quarterback that's up there in the Heisman ratings. Washington's got Michael Penix. Uh, Marvin Harrison at, at his position. And the only other one I would argue before he got hurt, Brock Bowers was that guy for Georgia. Yeah. That guy at tight end, whereas, like, there's not another tight end like him. That's that's Kelsey. I mean, I'm and Kate Stover's you. really good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But Brock Bowers was the one where I was like, that was the other one. That's done. Here's the thing I like about Marvin Harrison Jr. The best way I, I can put it is uh, he's got all those gifts you talked about from the standpoint of being a good receiver, including ridiculous time spent catching the football out of the Monarch machine there in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center indoor field. Uh, uh, he and his he and his buddy Reese Stocksdale, I mean, they're, they're in there as often as they can be. Uh, and uh, it's crazy. But – 
he's an artist and he's during a game he is creative as an artist catching the football and not just catching the football yeah catching the football he's an artist in getting in in the way he controls his body brings his foot down has the ability to understand coming back for a football when you've got to do it to create just that marginal space that gives you the advantage. And these are all things, some of these things he's worked on, but some of these things come right out of the blue or like the other night, right out of the night. I mean, uh, and things you've never seen before, right? That's why it's kind of cool. It's kind of like going to a, uh, a creative uh, or improv theater, you know, and people doing some things you've never heard or seen before. That's what sets Marvin Harrison Jr. apart. No, that's why I keep going back like a broken record to this 2002 theory, because Claret was like that for me on some level. High State's had a lot of good oh, yeah. running backs because of the way he jumped out so soon. I mean, is he better than Eddie George or Keith Byers? Like not, but you knew when you were on the, that, that team and that formula and that defense and that quarterback, he was the difference maker on that field. That kind of, and that's where Marvin is, you know, and the game has changed so much, Tim, that this is the formula they're using, though. Ten, well, a little over 10 points per game. Yeah. And the offense isn't perfect. It's, but Travion's a, an interesting ad because he is the probably the only running back on that roster that can take it to the house 60 yards. And, and when he gets it going, you yeah. know, when he looks at the yeah. He's, but against the Wisconsin defense that keeps things in front, he yeah. was busting through that a little bit. And that's oh, yeah. nothing on Dallin or the other running backs, but he adds a little bit of a different element. I mean, he had the big run against Notre Dame too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a difference. <laughs> I mean, like I said, that's why I put them both in the same category as playmakers, as big-time playmakers on this team because they are they are a different-looking offense with Travion Henderson on the field because it looks like – any minute now, it can go to the house, just like when uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is on there. And remember, they didn't have a Mecca Egbuka the other night. He warmed up and looked pretty good in warm-ups, but they opted, hey, one more game. And, you know, the way I understand it, he's probably had a high ankle sprain. The more time you can put between pressing the gas with those things, the better off you are, because once you tweak it again, you know, it's just tough. Hey, by the way, you were speaking a while ago about getting to see Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, I want to jump in here with a little bit of a commercial break uh, for the Game Time app and GameTime.co for folks who want to see Marvin Harrison Jr. live and in person. And in Ohio Stadium, you're probably only going to have two more shots, ladies and gentlemen, because this guy's probably going to be one of the top five players taken in next year's NFL draft, maybe one of the top two. But uh, the Game Time app, the GameTime.co, that's the place to go for, for example, uh, a ticket to uh, the night game coming up on November the 11th, Ohio State hosting Michigan State right here. I've got it up on the game time app. Maybe you can see it. Maybe you can't. But uh, right now the tickets are going for $129 a shot. I think people know what's up in the Columbus area. And that's still kind of a low ticket price for what could be a premier, uh, premier game in the sense of maybe one of the top one or two teams in the college football rankings playing its next to last home game of the year. And remember, if you download the Game Time app and you use the promo code Buckeyes, you get $20 off that first purchase. $20 off that first purchase. And not only that, but the other guarantee that comes with the Game Time app and GameTime.co, remember, it's GameTime.co, not GameTime.com. GameTime.co, 
if you find a, this, a similar ticket in the same row and same area of the stadium for less, the game, game time will refund 110% of the difference. Of course, terms apply. Terms apply to everything. Uh, but the bottom line is the game time app is a, is a place to go for all kinds of things, not just Ohio State football, Columbus crew, Columbus Blue Jackets, Ohio State hockey, Ohio State basketball, the WWE SmackDown on Friday, November the 10th. That's coming up. Uh, and uh, you can find Ohio football tickets there. Uh, Bill Bender, I'm sure, Ohio University football tickets on there. Bill, they're not quite at the same price as uh, Ohio State tickets, but I won't get into that. Matter of fact, they're quite the bargain because that's a great feeding stadium. one of the great places to watch a game. You agree, Bill? We're not talking about last weekend's game at all. They lost to the Miami Redhawks. That uh, that was not fun. That was not a good day. And they were seven-point favorites. So, But, yes, Peden Stadium is a great place to see a football yeah. game. But anyway, if you want to get advanced ticket, you know, tickets planned ahead, this is these are great for if you if you put it off, put it off. But also the U.S. Figure Skating Championships are coming to Nationwide Arena, uh, basically January twenty third, twenty fourth. Tickets right now, eight hundred seventy six dollars a piece. But I understand that's a pretty good ticket price for that. But but yes, the Game Time app, GameTime.co, that's the place to go for last minute tickets or plan ahead tickets, whatever your ballywick. Back to you, Bill Bender, before we get to my conversation, quick conversation uh, with Joshua Perry. Um, and then we're going to touch on some other things after after that. But uh, so your top four, let's go over it one more time. And what do you see just out there, just in the, you know, in like 90 seconds, you can maybe sum it up that can trip up these teams. Let's go. Let's, I think you've got Georgia number one. Do I have that right? Yeah, Georgia number one. It will be either this week at Missouri against Missouri, hosting Missouri. Maybe, yeah, may, yeah. Maybe they get in a little bit of a fist fight in Tennessee. They'll win. Alabama. That's what could get in the way of Georgia. Florida yeah. State. What could get in the way? A pesky Miami team. Maybe they fall on their face against Florida somehow, but they're going to win the ACC championship. I think we know the answer with Ohio State and Michigan, though Michigan has a second thing that could get in the way, and it's uh, they have three. They have three things that can get in the way: Ohio <laughs> State, Penn State, Ohio State, Penn State, and the long arm of the NCAA investigation. Yeah, say the, which one? The NCAA, the FBI. On I go. It's like a bad. Uh, I know you've seen Spies Like Us. That's where we're getting on yes. that one. Um, yeah. Ohio State's pretty straightforward. There's, there's, it might not matter, and we can get it. That's why I have them both in the playoff. Like I firmly believe that there's a better than 50% chance that both of those teams could go to the playoff, no matter what happens in Ann Arbor. Yeah. That's interesting, Bill, before we get to my conversation with Joshua Perry, that's interesting. Cause that would be two years in a row. And you know, the, the team in the Southeastern conference that's laying in the weeds right now. And you know, it is LSU because LSU is extremely talented mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. If they ever get their act together. And of course they're, uh, they're, uh, what do you want to call it? They're Waterloo, uh, for one of another term, uh, because if they win that, it's a big victory. Waterloo was a big victory, you know, for the British. <laughs> people the people only think about the loss aspect with France. But if they get by Alabama, you know, uh, they if can end ever, up. Yeah, if ever they can there end was up, a case for a two-loss team. Yeah, they, they can end up winning it. the SEC and be two losses. And how do you leave them out? Because they would have beaten Alabama and they probably at Alabama and they probably would have beaten Georgia in the SEC championship game. So that's, that's the real fly in the ointment. I'm, I've got my own now. What do you think? I mean, that, that could happen. I, I'm keeping a close watch on Oregon. They, yeah. they, 
if they would have, we talked last time about the field goals and going for it on fourth down. I mean, if they played Washington tomorrow, I think Oregon wins. But here's the big, that's, that's what I'm leading up to. That's what I wanted to ask you. Uh, If Oregon wins out, I think Oregon is, you know, a lot of people think Oregon's better than Washington anyway. They just blew it straight strategically against Washington the first time. But, but if Oregon wins out, LSU wins out and, uh, Ohio State or Ohio State or Michigan wins out. Uh, who am I leaving out there? So Oregon oh, wins and, out. And, and, and Florida State wins out. How do you leave out Oregon? You know, it'd be tough. I mean, and and right I now, mean, meaning, but, I mean, I mean, how could you take two teams from one league and leave Oregon out? Is what is I guess my point. Well, what happens if Alabama wins the SEC and Texas doesn't lose again? Yeah, you know, these are other wrinkles in that. There's there's oh, all yeah. of those teams, and that's why we got to play it out. I think Texas is a prime candidate to lose on Saturday, though. That's a Kansas State team's kind of found their rhythm a little bit. And Oklahoma, what a dud. Uh, and now they're going to that last installment of Bedlam on Saturday where Oklahoma State's not – that's going to be probably, if you could rank most hostile atmosphere possible. Yeah. That's what Oklahoma's walking into on Saturday. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. We're going to come back and talk real quickly. It'll be interesting to see what kind of atmosphere Ohio State walks into the last weekend of the of of November at Michigan too. But that we're going to we're going to talk about that briefly. But uh, let's get to my conversation. Let's see what uh, Joshua Perry had to say about a few of these things and and a few other subjects got brought up with him. Here's my conversation with Joshua Perry. Oh my goodness, it's been a long time. Maybe it's only been a month or two, but it's been a long time to me. Joshua Perry of NBC. Uh, welcome back to the Tim May show, my man. Yeah, it feels like it's been a long time because a lot of things have happened, Tim. Yeah, a lot of as uh as uh as Earl Bruce used to say, a lot of water's gone under the dam. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but dude, number one, it was great to sort of see you on Saturday night at Wisconsin. Before we get into some other things, I just wanted to ask you your your general feel for this Ohio State football team now. Eight and zero, you watched them uh, perform at Wisconsin. That was where they had you guys set up, I thought that was probably a bitterly cold place to be with that little bit of wind going through there, just enhancing the 30-degree temperatures. But what was your take on the temperature of the Ohio State football team coming out of that wind in a, what you know is a always tough place to play? I'm, I mean, I've been satisfied this year. Uh, obviously, plenty of things to work on. I think uh, a lot of people are looking at the quarterback, Kyle McCord, is one of the places to improve, and he certainly has to get better. Um, yeah. I have a, a a belief that as long as he doesn't turn the football over, which he did a few times in that game against Wisconsin, um, they're going to have a shot, right? Like, I, I think there's enough skill around him. Travion Henderson being back, I mean, people were yeah. complaining about the run game, and I was trying to tell him, I said, it's offensive line. Is getting better. It's not as bad as people think. Uh, you know, you just you need that difference maker toting the rock. And once he gets back, it's you know 200 yards of total offense uh, for him. Like big day. Um, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. And I think they've been kind of forcing him the rock a little bit, but he's a guy that you need to get a bunch of touches anyway. Uh, having a guy like that is a difference maker. Mecca Buka once he's back healthy, like there are enough pieces offensively, uh, especially when they're fully healthy that I think it can be a more dangerous offense than what we've seen up to this point. And Kyle just has to continue to make the right decisions, not give the football away. Uh, I think Ryan Day said it best at halftime. He's got to manage the game. And I know people don't like the idea of having a game manager. It's where you're at this year. And I think it's good enough. Um, Flip side of that. I love the fact that this is a team that can win games defensively, that you don't have to count on a 40 point performance from the offense in order to win football games. 
They did it against Notre Dame. They did it against Penn State. Like they have shown against two teams that are currently ranked within the top 12 of the AP rankings. We'll see what CFP has to say about either one of those teams. But they have proven that uh, the defense can hold its own and win ball games, And that is something we have not seen in a few seasons. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I love that. I love the idea that they're getting it done differently. Um, I love the idea that they have had to weather storms and it feels like this team has not flinched. Um, I know there were many uncomfortable situations against Penn State, for example, where, uh, you know, you, you, you have them pinned back opportunity to get the ball back in great field position. You have a turnover on special teams and they just go out there and get another stop. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I love against Wisconsin. You were putting plenty of sudden change situations where the offense gave the ball away. And ultimately it's a defense that held Wisconsin to just around 250 total yards, held the, the quarterback to under 50% completion. And I know he's a guy who doesn't have a ton of experience, but um, I think he's, he's got some dangerous skills, no doubt. Yeah. Um, Braylon Allen didn't play in the second half, but they kept him pretty contained throughout the first half. Actually, we're able to, to, you know, force him to put the ball on the ground a couple of times. These are the things that I like to see. Yeah. I mean, Tommy Eichenberg with that tackle on that shovel pass, Hey, on, the, on the goal line stand where they held him to a field goal. I mean, you, you, a former linebacker, you are a former linebacker now, right? Officially. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I got no linebacker in me, but, and by the way, congratulations on your, about your, uh, your, uh, you're you you're going to become a father it looks like yes. you're down the road congratulations on that and uh Thank you'll you. have to have that long talk with if it's a son on whether he plays football or not but that'll be a podcast for about uh 10 years from now uh be sure to hook us be sure to uh, watch us ladies and gentlemen on that one but uh you were on a defense in 2013 and then in 2014 were two different looking defenses Mm -hmm. changes were made in leadership mm -hmm. uh, at the top on those defenses. And it had immediate effect with Jim Knowles. It's a two year effect, but it has come on. What, what, what changes for a defense, uh, Joshua, at least from what you've seen, what just stands out about this defense more than anything else? This Knowledge and confidence. 23. Knowledge and confidence. I, I think that they know what they're doing much better than they did a year ago. Um, and, and that mostly to me comes from adjustments in the front. And so I'm talking about the defensive line and the linebackers. And then in the secondary, I think those guys feel much more comfortable with the way that they're asked to play at times, yeah. which is, you know, with their tail out, um, basically exposed and, and can get a spanking if they're not, you know, doing what they need to do. Um, so I think that uh, it's a combination of knowing what they're doing, but also feeling confident in their ability to execute it. Um, and I think that this defense is at its best when, uh, you know, guys have that kind of juice and they're, you know, hey, you know, throw the ball my way and see what happens. Right. Like, yes. I, I love that idea about them when the defensive line can kind of pin their ears back. And I think JT is really starting to come alive and uh, Jack Sawyer is looking much more comfortable rushing. Um, I love what they do on the interior. Right? I, I absolutely. The interior D line is is amazing to me. But when those guys feel like they have their opportunities, they're starting to capitalize on them uh, a little bit more than what we saw a year ago. And so. You know, I think everybody's kind of looking at the big test, and that's going to be the one in Ann Arbor, and that has been a, a very explosive offense, uh, particularly when you compare it to what they've been in the past. But I start to to look at, you know, what pieces Ohio State has, and I say, okay, so they got a front that can cause some issues. And Michigan's offensive line, as good as it's been this year and as good as it's been the last couple of years, yeah. they 
we've had to shuffle some of those guys up front. And I think it's good, but it's not as good as it was. Um, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity on the the interior uh, to to create some plays and some pressure. Yeah. And then ultimately what it's going to come down to is the linebackers in the secondary in particular on those play action looks, making sure that they are disciplined because Michigan, one thing they're going to do to you is they're going to play action you. They're going to get a guy running across the field. They're going to throw it to, into, into some open space. And then if a dude like Roman Wilson catches the football, he can run with it. A guy like Colson Loveland, he can body you a little bit. And then if he gets in the field, he can run too. Those are the things that you're looking at. But ultimately what I've seen to date, from this offense, they haven't given guys a lot of space on much of anything, and they got to continue to do that. Yeah. By the way, they play Rutgers this week, not Michigan. <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I know they play Rutgers this week, but everybody's you, looking at that last one. I know you know that I know that you know, uh, but I was just being <laughs> facetious and trying to be slightly funny, which I'm neither one very good at. Uh, truth in advertising, we're recording this uh, before the first college football playoff rankings come out this week so that this is why i wanted to ask you uh you with this uh nbc gig now i mean you well i've always thought you kept your eye on the national scene what 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 should be your top four what what is your what is the joshua joshua perry top four uh this eight weeks eight games or eight weeks into the college football college football season what is your top four this is an interesting question you asked. I'm me. talking about in regards uh, to the playoffs. Go ahead now. Yeah, my my top four and what I think the committee would do are two different things. Yeah. Uh, what I think the committee will do, and and they've done this before, is they'll look to resume in the first ranking. And so I think Ohio State has made the case because of the the two top twelve AP wins that they have that they could be the number one team coming into this undefeated. Um, again, they've got the wins. It, it's a different formula for winning, but it's a, a proven formula of playing great defense and, um, you know, moving the ball enough. Uh, so I think that could be the case in that same vein. I think that you could be looking at Florida State as a number two team. And I know that they had a, uh, you know, a close call with BC and another one with Clemson, who's not a great team. But um, at the time, what they did against Duke, that iteration of Duke, I feel like uh, opened people's eyes. Certainly, and then uh, LSU, who has uh, a couple losses on their resume, but certainly one of the best offenses in the country, they would look at that as a resume booster. Then I start to believe that we get into the eye test a little bit more. Yeah. And that's where you get the Michigan in there at three and Georgia potentially in there at four. And then I think you get the Washington, Oregon, five, six. And, and what I'm looking out for is really two things is number one, these first couple of rankings is uh where they put Michigan and Georgia because it'll tell you where they really value I what, right? what they're thinking uh, is yeah yeah yes and then number two is the Washington Oregon thing <clears throat> I think the initial ranking will have Washington in front of Oregon but I think there's a really good case that uh the next rankings might have that flipped because the the committee will make a case that Oregon was a better football team and that, um, you know, the fourth down decision making was the reason they lost to Washington. And then they'll see Washington with a couple of games that were closer than they should have been after that one uh, as a team who maybe won the game, but wasn't the better team. Now, if I'm giving you what my top four is, I'm putting Michigan at one, I'm putting Georgia at two, and I don't feel great about that. They have looked good, but they've also shown that they're not the same team that they once were. I'm putting Ohio State in there at three, and I probably got Florida State at four. I go through that one more time. I faded. I, my brain faded when you said, who's your number one? I put Michigan at number one Mi if Michigan? I'm doing it. And, yeah. and, and who's two? 
and I'd put Georgia there, but I don't feel great about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Georgia, as everybody knows, Georgia, uh, like, you know, I, I do a little thing with Urban Meyer every week, and and he even brought it up. You know, he understands how the – how the uh, how the, the the lay of the land, the defending champion going for a three-peat, you're not going to whitewash that no matter who they've played so far. My point is their win over Florida and their win over Kentucky, just when people were calling for them to get upset, was huge. <laughs> it was. We're huge. And that's, that's what it does. That's why I'm looking at Georgia and I'm saying yeah. that I could put them at two because I do think that uh, those wins are more recent. And so it's a better picture of what this team is. Yeah. And they were dominant wins. Yeah. Um, One without Brock Bowers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I'm also the same guy who I look at Georgia and I say that um, they do get a lot of benefit of the doubt of what they've done the last two years. And it's not the same type of team. Yes. Um, And, and so I, I question them more this year than I would have the last two years. And it's not to say that I don't think that they're a great football team, but uh, you know, this idea that in the AP, they just keep putting them at one, you know, that's, that's yeah. just the nature of how the AP poll works. Yeah. It's kind of lazy uh, to a certain extent, but that's why you want it to be finally settled on the field. And, you know, they're, they're hosting Missouri this week, the team that had a shot to beat them before Ohio, before Ohio state had a shot to beat them last year. I think Missouri is I mean, for real. So look out Missouri, yeah. they got Ole Miss as well. And and yeah. that's not going to be a, a walk in the park by any stretch of the imagination. Quinshot Jenkins, the, uh, the running back has come alive the last few weeks. They, I mean, it's been a potent offense. I think they're playing better on defense. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last thing, uh, Joshua, I don't want to keep it because you're a busy guy. It's, I hear people in the background. Uh, you're, you're due for makeup. I think here in a minute is what I heard. <laughs> right. And a shave. No, I'm just joking. You know, I'm joking, man. I like that. I like that. Um, um, just your take on the Michigan situation. What should happen? What do you think is going to happen? Um, I guess main thing is, what do you believe? There have been enough, uh, it looks like, credible facts thrown out there uh, by mm-hmm. credible reporters who I admire uh, who've thrown some things out there. Do you think this thing gets resolved uh, this season? from a standpoint of, is there a penalty going to be involved, et cetera? What is just your general take on it? Yeah. So here are my thoughts is uh counter stallions, the low level staffer who kind of orchestrated this whole um, sign stealing, cheating ring. Um, he was out of line, right? Like, I think it's easy to say that what he did. Certainly yeah. people are like, Oh, he's playing in gray areas. I don't think there's a lot of gray about what was going on. Uh, I think it's it's pretty clear that you cannot scout people, uh, uh, future opponents in person, uh, and that's something that they did. The use of electronic devices, and I know that people are like, oh, but that's for the playing field in the enclosure. And I'm like, yeah, but if you go back to the, the scouting of opponents, then it, it feels like it would fall into that as much as anything else, too, yeah. uh, about trying to get these signs. We, we know that was bad. Um, we also saw what his involvement was on game day and, and his access to coordinators and the head coach. Um, seeing that does not necessarily indicate that they knew how he got the information that he had, because the information he had, the signs, this is not something that is illegal to possess. People try to do this all the time. They do it through more conventional legal means, which is watching the all 22 copy or watching the television copy. And getting it from there, which, you know, there were a number of shots that we had on uh, NBC this weekend of Phil Longo signaling in place, right? This is something that you can get. Um, And so everybody who's like, oh, what he was doing on game day is a smoking gun. 
I have to disagree with that. I think that we're extrapolating and and maybe it makes sense. And I don't fault anybody for saying that makes sense, but to say that we know for a fact, um, that's just untrue at this point. Yeah. Now, uh, what I think they need to do is you you have to punish the bad behavior, right? And I think you lose credibility uh, in the sport if you allow cheating like that to go on and there is no punishment. I think the issue that we're going to run into is the NCAA and all of its bureaucracy moves slowly. And the Big Ten Conference has an opportunity to make a move, but they would prefer not to. Uh, without all the information present. And the issue there is that the Big Ten Conference does not have a, an investigation arm. They do not conduct investigations. They rely on information from the NCAA to be passed to them before they can filter it and make a decision. So if you're Tony Petiti and you're sitting back and you have a bunch of uh, you know university presidents and athletic directors looking at you and saying, why haven't we done anything? Your answer would be, well, we don't have a precedent for something like this. We've never seen it before. And quite frankly, we don't have the faculties to investigate this thing ourselves. And so put yourself in Michigan's shoes. Would you want for us to make a decision without having all the information we need to make a decision? No, you wouldn't. So we're not going to do that. Oh, by the way, why would we hamstring one of our most prominent brands and a potential college football playoff contender without having all of that information present? All of that to say, that my personal belief is what happened there was fully out of line. It is a blatant flouting of the rules that needs to be punished. The question is when that would happen and how that would happen. The NCAA does not have a precedent. The Big Ten Conference does not have a precedent. And these things end up moving slowly. So unless Michigan decides that they want to be the uh, entity that makes a move on a head coach or a uh, potential punishment, whatever the case is, which after all the things I laid out to you, why would you do this? It seems like this is a, you know, February Michigan problem and not an October, November Michigan problem in all reality because of how slowly these things move. Um, I don't think anybody is is going to have a clear answer on this before the college football season's over. And I think it's a shame that that's the spot that we're going to be in. And I think that it um, it discredits some of what's gone on. And I know Michigan fans will hate to hear this, but uh, nationally, a lot of people are going to be looking at this season and the previous two seasons with a little star next to them because of what went on there. And I think that's really unfair for a lot of players who had really no involvement in this and they were just out there balling, right? Like, they're going to have to listen to people relitigate their legacies, which I hate for them, but it's a situation they put themselves in as well. And so um, yeah. I expect nothing anytime soon. And yeah. uh, that's that. Well, here's the thing real quick before you go, uh, you know, you investigate, you walk into Michigan, you go, Hey, look, this is what's been reported pretty in-depth reporting on this of, of uh, information that's been gathered. You should be able to rectify this. See, in my opinion, in one day from the standpoint of, uh, you know, basically presenting them with the facts. Now you present us with any kind of reason why this didn't happen, or you fall on your sword and say, yeah, this happened. We broke this NCAA rule of, of live scouting of games, pre-scouting opponents. Who are you saying should go in there and do this? No, I'm just saying the NCAA should just walk in there and in essence, give them one day to, to I mean, they've already been there. They got to give them 90 days. That's that's the issue in all this. They see, they painted themselves into a corner. It's either, they, it they, either like yeah, it either and, and I'm, I'm with happen. you. Yeah. I'm 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 with you on that. Like yeah. I think that there should be some mechanism in their bylaws that triggers to say we get something like this, which is yeah. like 
we need to handle this yesterday. Um, we should be able to say that there is not a, uh, you know, a notice of allegations that we have to send. And then we have to give 90 days for yeah. a response from the university. Like that to me is part of the, the bigger issue here is by their own rules. This thing ain't going right. to happen quickly. Right. I know, but it bothers you. Cause to me, this is almost like a targeting call on the field, you know, now go back and review it. I mean, bottom line, is there a record, you know, the, the, in the bottom, you know, I promise I get you out of here quick, but no, it's all good. The, 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 the problem with me and Bill Bennett and I are talking about this too. The problem with me is uh, it either did or didn't happen. It either was or wasn't yeah. uh, yep. financed. It does break the, the rule. And even if right. you've done it, even if you do it by surrogate, which is what it appears they did uh, with yeah. surrogates going in and doing it, but getting apparently at least one guy's come forward and said he got paid, paid for it. Uh, and right. uh, we'll see where it goes. I mean, there's enough there for for the for the Big Ten as a group. And I'm talking about the athletic directors to have a meeting called by Tony Petiti and go, hey, what should be the penalty here? We all know, you know, we all see what happened. You know, why can't you? You know, that's that's my problem with how slowly this this doesn't have to move. I slowly. agree. You know, if everybody so is a, if everybody is a bona fide in good standing member, you should step up when your number has been called or found out. You shouldn't lawyer up. You should step up and go, yes, this happened. We, you know, accept our penalty, blah, 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 and move on. But you let this I, faster, I'm not man. I'm disagreeing with, with anything that you're saying. And and the way that I like to think about these things is, is what impact does this have into the future? How do we spin this forward? So yeah. if I am part of the NCAA, right, I think that we need to have a special provision for situations like this where it's like, I don't know if I can, uh, I was getting ready to say some bad words. That I no, no, say. no. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's screw whatever's going on and, and what our go. typical protocol is. And we get to, we get to move fast on this because we need a resolution quickly. I look at the big 10 conference and all of the wonderful things that they have done historically probably need to have a way to investigate things like this on your own as, yes. as a prominent big conference like this. You shouldn't have to rely on the NCAA. You should be able to move uh, at your own pace as well. And you're, especially if you have a carve out in your, your bylaws that make a provision that you can punish uh, in these situations, you should be able to have a mechanism that allows you to investigate whether you need to punish or yeah. not. So yeah. those are two things that come of this. I think the third thing which is coming is the in-helmet communication or wearable technology. So we don't have to necessarily worry about people's signs getting stolen. And then the last thing that I think should happen, and it's much like tattoo gate and you're selling your own stuff and it was an issue then and now it's a non-issue because of NIL. If you told me that the reason people couldn't go out on the road in, in advanced scout in 1994, the year that I was born, by the way, and my college career is over, yeah. uh, is because of finances. I'm looking around. I'm like, people putting slides in their facilities. Like, we got so water, much ridiculous stuff. Water going walls. On. There's so much money. So much money, people don't know where to put it. Yeah. Okay, so maybe we ought to say that you can advance scout, right? Like, yeah. these are all of the things that could come of this. And then maybe Jim Harbaugh ends up looking like a hero and a guy who really changed the NCAA. Because yeah. not only has he advocated for revenue sharing and paying players and all things of that nature, but the satellite camps that we have, we could say for Jim Harbaugh, he talked about the one-time transfer. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to make him a hero, but there would be a lot of people that look back at his legacy and said, the dude was a cheater, but he also forced people to change the way that they ended up doing things. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, punish them. 
uh, my frustration is it's not going to happen, but how do we rectify this for the future? Because this ain't going to be the last scandal. Yeah. It's certainly not the first scandal we've ever seen, but we need to be able to handle these things in, in, in a timely fashion like this happening during the season all these things being revealed to us right now is a problem if we cannot fix it right now yeah and the bottom line is it looks like a, a go-getter guy you know stallions just was trying to figure out a way to make himself valuable to the program he I mean, looks like people a do that nut all the time. job a yeah. go-getter this yeah. dude had a manifesto anytime somebody talks about the word manifesto i'm like we might need to lock this cat up and i appreciate his service to this country but but 600 pages of of how to advance michigan football for the next 15 years is if i'm hard i'd have been more concerned about the manifesto (laughs) yeah i mean i mean in in a lot of credit to him again uh volunteering for that program for as many years as he did too like volunteering is tough like we gotta yeah i I like making more money you know it's just like he he definitely uh, he definitely was a guy who loves that program in that university and, um, you know, more power to him, no doubt, yeah. but like over the line, over the line. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. And you know, the Michigan suspended him with pay. I don't know where that stands right now as we record this, but obviously they suspended him with pay, meaning you're being invested, you know I mean? So there's always, there's already been a little bit of a penalty there by them against him and and like i said uh before we go uh joshua um the thing about it is it's it's a scheme that broke a rule but then it was also Mm -hmm. in some form or fashion and he is a full-time employee of them that was financed okay right in 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 whatever this weird fashion venmo etc payment i mean you know, it's almost like they weren't trying to hide. Oh. You know what I mean? It was like a- well, let's let's have that conversation real quick. For any of you who use Venmo, um, there there is an option to make your profile private. Yeah. I don't know why anybody has a public Venmo. Like, I don't I don't need to see you and your friends exchanging beer money. Like, nobody yeah. should know that. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. You know, that's what's anyway. As Bruce Feldman said, it almost get it ought to get penalized because of the almost stupidity involved in some form of it. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. Hey, uh, appreciate yeah. it, man. Uh, what, what are you doing real quick? Are you enjoying your gig with NBC? Has it been a blast? Obviously, you're doing a hell of a job on there. And of course, as you found out, the higher you ri- rise in this business, the more that you're going to have critics out there and stuff. How are you dealing with that? But uh, are you enjoying your gig? I'm loving it. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um you know, critics are critics. I feel like, you know, there's a, a, a song lyric. It says, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm popping right now. Yeah, so. you are popping, my friend. You are popping. Especially that chin. That chin's popping. Anyway, hey, Joshua Perry, thanks once again for joining the Tim May Show, and we'll do it again, okay? All righty. Hey, uh, Bill Benner, you've gotten to, gotten to know Joshua Perry a little bit. I mean, he's one of the bright, rising stars in uh, – in my opinion, in television, especially in television, college football coverage. And uh, I always like his opinions because they're well thought out. You do too, don't you? Outstanding. And when he was a player yeah. and we were, and he was being interviewed, he's one, like you can peg a couple. I was like, he's going to be good on TV. And yeah. he's surpassed that expectation because he's excellent on the NBC pregame show. He's been excellent on the big 10 network. He's accessible. He's a nice person. He's, he's the epitome of what, you should be on the field and off the field. And, uh, you know, that that's somebody that I really enjoy listening to his analysis because he's fair. Yeah. He, he's fair. He knows what fair is. And, uh,
just a super nice guy. I'm so happy for his success and how he's been able to rise up the ranks and, you know, whatever the highest level of that is, he's at it and he's doing a heck of a job. You know, we heard what he had to say about the Michigan situation that you and I are going to talk about real quickly. Uh, and, you know, and, and the thing about it is, I, I don't know how many people, I've, I've been on quite a few uh, radio shows, et cetera, and even TV about this situation the last week and a half, two weeks. You have to, you know, and everybody gets keeps coming back to the one question, what should the penalty be for this situation? You know, because I think everybody's presupposing based on the evidence that's been presented thus far by Pete Thamel, you know, and uh, Russ Dellinger and uh, even the Washington Post. And because uh, they've had some pretty good sources on this all along, you know, uh, and you have too. You've written about it. Uh, but I don't even know if we've gotten to even considering the penalty phase yet. But I, this is my opinion. My opinion is this is this is something that's been discovered or brought to light. I think it was discovered a while ago, brought to light during this season, the middle of this season. And it's something that uh, basically if they have been the way it's been laid out, they have been stealing signs with advanced scouting, whether whether it was them or surrogates that they hired to do. It's the same thing, you know. Uh, I'm sure those surrogates didn't sign a uh, NDA or anything, right? <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. but uh, but the bottom line is it's it's breaking an NCAA rule. That's why I keep telling everybody people try to steal signs from the first play of a game. I mean, stealing signs is not at the crux of this. The crux of this is doing something that's against NCAA an NCAA rule for like the, what almost the last 30 years, and uh, that's still in place, by the way, and so. I'll, I'll put it to you. Uh, it sure seems like most of this stuff is quite compelling. Uh, the evidence that, like I said, that Pete Thamel and these guys have uncovered. So what what should happen in this in this regard, Bill? You you cover the national scene. You're as plugged in as anybody. Uh, well, you know, you don't have to give me a hard and fast thing because I keep kind of couching it, you know. But because uh, you know, surely the NCAA is not going to do anything probably this season. It'd be kind of almost unprecedented for them. But the Big Ten can Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten, can step in at any moment if he feels like he's seen enough. Yeah, and that's really the only thing that I think would happen during the regular season. And like you said, it's unprecedented. It's not unprecedented from a scandal during the regular season. This is probably the first real one since Cam Newton. And that was a different time in college football when he what his father solicited $185,000 from Mississippi state. Yeah. But wait a minute, let me interrupt you though. I don't, because I don't want to necessarily go down that rabbit hole only because this has to do with the actual competition on on the the field. field. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that's why it's, that's why it smells so bad, you know? And like we said, I mean, but I I understand, I agree with you on the Cam Newton thing, which my point is, my opinion has never been resolved. Go ahead. What? Yeah. They never, they didn't do anything about Cam Newton during the season. They admit they ruled him ineligible for one day for one day comes back for the sec championship. They win a natty. He wins the Heisman. They're cleared in 2011. Yeah. This won't be like that. Michigan's going to get punished at some point. So let's, if these allegations are true and they are corroborated by the NCAA, they are going to get punished at some point. So and it's not that they, like you said, they broke this bylaw. They took, we can, and we're not going to get into the art of sign stealing. I've talked about it for like two weeks. Yeah. And bottom line is they had some sort of competitive advantage. Now, was it 
Houston Astros level? I don't think so. I mean, those guys were banging on trash cans and hitting home runs. Um, well, wait a minute, though, but you got the guy standing right next to the offense coordinator and defense coordinator right. telling him what he's seeing. Same thing, really. Same thing, different sport. Sig- signaling in, it, hey, this is yeah. what's coming. Signaling right. in, hey, this is what's coming. I I just – I don't Maybe. think it's – personally, I don't think it's that level. But I can – if you feel that way, that's fine. Um, it, it comes down to penalties then. Is Tony Petiti really going to punish Michigan for the regular season? Maybe he should, but will he? Probably not. All right, Mike. Yeah. My, my, yeah. But here's my, my point that I've made every time I've been asked this question is, who cares what Tim May thinks a penalty should be? He should gather the 14 athletic directors of the Big Ten, right. including Michigan's, and say, fellas, this is the way – or folks, not fellas. Folks, this is the way – this has been laid out to me, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, tell him what, what he sees as the facts in the matter. What is your uh, what is your concerted opinion on what a penalty should be? And when the, when should the penalty be meted out? I mean, he, he shouldn't just make it a unilateral thing done by him. I think because this has affected quite a few teams in the Big Ten, not just one or two. You're, you see what I'm saying? What do you think the penalty should be then? Well, I think it should involve my personal opinion is what should be on the table is suspensions. Uh, and I don't mean missing games. I'm talking about suspensions uh, for whoever right. whoever is knowledgeable about it. It sure appears just based on the, the photo evidence, the video evidence that the uh, coordinators, both offensively and defensively, the last couple of years were – we're in on it, or at least listening to this guy. And then, and it just is beyond my realm of being able to reason that a head coach is standing there seeing a guy standing next to his offensive coordinator and or his defensive coordinator talking to him while the plays, while ga- the game is going on, while plays are being sent in and not wondering, hey, what's that guy doing? You know what I mean? A low-level staffer, too. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I got you there. What's I that mean, guy doing? I mean, and you act like you you have no idea. Well, you then you ought to be suspended because you have no idea what's going on in your football program, if that's the case, you know? So the head coach, the buck, as we well know, the the new revised rules, the, head, the, the buck stops with the head coach of football programs. Now, no matter what happened, you should have known about it. Right, and that at some point, Jim Harbaugh and or those coordinators and or other members of the coaching staff could face those penalties. Will it happen during this regular season? I still don't know. And I kind of work in my way down the penalty. So when you read, scroll through Twitter, you'll see death penalty. Not going to happen. No, it's happened once. They ruined. I don't mean that, but I think I'm just working my way down to what's probably going to happen. So when I see death penalty, I'm like, not sure you know what happened the only time they used that. And that was with SMU, not a top 10 brand money-wise. They're not giving any program a death penalty. No. Uh, are they going to vacate wins? Possibly down the line. But they don't do that overnight. Like Notre Dame had wins vacated. It took the NCAA six years to vacate 15 Kansas wins. Yeah, that, did, that had a big impact. Go ahead now. Yeah, like yeah, like that impacted Kansas so much they won a national title a couple years ago, and yeah. Bill Self, it didn't. And that's the hypocrisy of this whole thing. So vacated yeah. wins could happen. Jim Harbaugh slash coordinator suspensions that could happen in season. That that's that what could. I'm talking about. Or, and this is the cynical side of me, and I've been saying this for two weeks, Tim, and I, I still 
I don't know that they have it in them to say we're going to do that and diminish a TV a TV gate and a game that in four weeks I think twenty million people are going to watch. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. If that rules the roost, then we're all we're all headed to hell anyway. I mean, it this does. whole thing with but with all does. the conference expansion and. Uh, Everything is going on all for television dollars and stuff and making yourself more pretty uh, for, for television, et cetera. Then, you know, then it's all going to hell side of me though, Tim, that's what I think cynical because it comes, but I hope they don't, I hope they don't put it out that way. You know what I mean? I hope they don't explain it that way. I hope they're smart enough not to explain it that way. Let me put it that way. Uh, And the big, and there is the off chance. The big 10 does nothing. And that, that would, but but see that surprises me. But that's why, dude. That's why I'm saying, I would like to see him, Petiti, uh, canvas the athletic directors and let the, let them, you know, not presidents, the athletic directors who are close to their football coaches and their football programs, and just go, what do you think is proper here? And it not be just like one guy making it happen. You know what I mean? And because that way you don't have one villain. You know, because everybody up in Michigan, everybody who's who's uh, calling us calling Michigan on the card about this, everybody who's doing that is considered a villain. You know what I mean in this deal. So you don't have just one villain; you have fifteen villains. You know, four, fourteen athletic directors, including Michigan's, and uh, uh, and Petiti, and and you, you come up with a with a. And if you decide, well, you know what, just don't do it again. You know, shame on you. Don't do it again. If that's what you come up with, that's what you come up with. But right. you got to do something. You can't just sit there and go, we'll deal with this in February because you, that's too much to say. And I will agree with this. It's so bizarre because this could be the number one team in the college football playoff rankings, you know, if not this week, two weeks from now, if they beat Penn State, how, do, how are they not, you know? And, uh, and, and going into the Ohio State-Michigan game, because I want to see that game, you know, I, I, mean, I, I want to – I want to see that game with everything on the line. And the way you do that is you don't take away wins and things like that, but you, you punish somebody and with some type of a suspension. But anyway, that's my thoughts I mean, on it. And if it's Jim, if it's Jim Harb, well, and this is the other thing that I kind of come to a conclusion of sorts is that who does the NCAA want? Do they want Michigan or do they want Jim Harbaugh? I think it's the latter. Because he's already, they've got a backload of backlog of cases. I don't think they want Michigan. I think they want Jim Harbaugh. If that's the the guy that you suspend, fine, do it. The other option is, hey, all right, you can go to the college football playoff, but they you could hit them in the wallet. Because again, that's my cynicism kicking in. That what do what do we really care about? That's TV buying your way or, out of that's buying your way out of prison. Any the way I look at it, you know, it's like a. A billionaire buying his way out of prison is the way I look at it. I think there should be punishment of some sort. I'm not saying more than one week or something, you know, but there should be some type of punishment for this for, because like I, like I keep telling everybody, it's not just that it broke a rule. It's not just that they were in, they had surrogates, if not some of their own people in stadiums, who knows, but, uh, basically skunking games from the standpoint of signals and videoing them. There's, I guess there's evidence of that now, you know, but, uh, then but it's that, it was women. Let me finish. Yeah. But it was funded. Now, whoever funded it, if this stallions got funded it out of his own pocket, you know, okay. You know, we'll, we'll see where that money 
came from or whatever. But the bottom line was he works. He is an employee of the Michigan football program. He's not like he was three years ago, a guy just trying to hook on and, and uh, get a chance. He's an employee. So if the funding came from him, no matter where it, you know, it, the funding is what really gets to it. This wasn't just volunteers, you know, this was were people being remunerated. So that's, that's where I come down. That's why it rises to another level. We'll do it for the Penn state game. Then that would be logical. Take them off the field for that game. Yeah. And if they lose, then the pressure becomes now you have to beat Ohio state. Now you're not, it's not an or else game. That's going to be an or else game anyway. Yeah. So there that, and that wraps it up because this story does have legs. Like you said, now the other end of it is was Michigan just, if they suspended just the coaches, they might go for that. They might yeah. with yeah. some, if it could, because like the big 10 and Adam Rittenberg was reporting this that week is that Michigan can present their case, but the big 10 rulings are final. If they find discipline, if yeah. they launch an investigation and I'm with you, it's not, it contributes to the cynicism of it if you continue to kick things like this down the, the road. Yeah. Because then, like, if they do it in the summer, people are going to be like, oh, well, I watch the games anyway. I mean, yeah. you know, Michigan fans know about that. They did that with the Fab Five, where it's yeah. like they, they put the banners down and became a joke. I don't know. You yeah. know, I've never – torn down banners don't do it for me, Tim, because it's – you still watched it happen, right? Like Louisville yeah. losing their natty. Um, has there been a football one taken away? Uh, Florida State, Florida State yeah, won. Florida State, and they still won it. Yeah, and like they, oh yeah, they that's what I'm saying. Vacate, vacating wins and all that kind of baloney. You know, I, I have no use for that. Uh, penalizing next year's team for this, I have no use for that because you have a chance. This is catching somebody speeding. You know, going ninety and a thirty, uh, and you caught. You know, if if in fact everything proves out, you caught them going ninety and a thirty. You don't you don't get to pay your. You can take it to court. But uh, you should get your ticket right there and uh, pay the price and move on, right? And drive well, with you. drive the you. speed limit. <laughs> I always drive the speed limit, but uh, I no. Uh, yeah, me too. You. If, if you the right penalty would be suspending coaches. Yeah. In, in the moment, yeah. it's the easiest one you can do. Yeah. It's the and, most logical one you. Let me, can let me, do. But let me before we get done here, I want to ask you this. But in that realm, can you see Michigan? Just like they did with Harbaugh, they suspended him for three games, first three games, the game day, not nothing else uh, this year for the other thing. Uh, could you see Michigan self-imposing something in the next week? For the second time this season? Yeah, I mean, sir, I'm serious. Yeah, but, I mean, like, they could. But it, shows, but it shows if, in fact, the evidence points to this kind of stuff and it's irrefutable, it shows that you, okay, we, we had a problem here. You know what I mean? We're we'll trying to fix it. We're, we're taking it on, you know, we're being good citizens here. And can, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. I think I'm still more interested to see what comes out of the Matt Weiss thing first because yeah. the FBI was involved. Yeah. But that's so, and that's another one where I'm like, yeah, I was, I've been genuinely curious about what that is since it happened last year. Yeah. So if that's part of this thing. Then yes. Um, they could. And that, I don't know if good faith's the right phrase, Tim, because they've already done it once. And then the NCAA didn't really buy his suspension for the last scandal. Right. Um, So they could. And I, and I kind of like your idea. I think that would, to me, and with kind of 
figured it out as we so often do. The logical one for me would be, all right, suspend them for Penn State. Maybe suspend them for they play after Maryland. Maryland, thank you. Go two games or something. Yeah. And I don't know if that makes up for what they did. It probably doesn't, honestly. Yeah. It allegedly did. But um, maybe it does. I, but I, I still think just the cynicism of it to me is you want to – TV networks are, are tied in well. I mean, like I said, I think 20 million people are going to watch that last one for so many reasons, not, oh, not yeah. limited to that. On the field, two best teams in the country, arguably, uh, is this Jim Harbaugh's last season. Ryan Day trying to avoid – Losing another one, Ryan Day yeah. coaching with an edge like I've never seen this year. So, um, yeah, I, should I, be the I most watched game of the season. You know, when uh, is the last time Ohio State's been an underdog in a regular uh, season game? I that's my trivia for you. I have no idea. I've got to look that up. Yeah, boy, it's been a long, a question. long time, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, hey, well, I'll have you on that week, and we'll talk about it <laughs> after it I comes think up. We will. Absolutely. Hey, Bill Bender, that's Turkey. You know, that's, that's Turkey week, Black Friday on, uh, on that Friday. And then, well, I don't know what we'll call Saturday, uh, you know, chartreuse Saturday or something, but anyway, Bill Bender, thanks for joining me on the Tim May show again. And ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you for watching this and, uh, hope you enjoyed it and, uh, appreciated Joshua Perry coming on. And until next week, I'll see you then. <laughs>